Music of Cloud Debussy, Nuit d'Etoile, arranged by Apple Orange Pear, and Cafe 1930 from Histoire du Tango from Astar Piazzolla. And we are about to speak to Apple Orange Pear, made up of Emily Boyer on horn and Colleen Potter Thorburn on harp. And if this works the way it should. Good afternoon. Yep. Hi. Good to be here. 
So, how long have you guys been together? We've been working together for almost seven years now. What was the inspiration to bring this interesting pairing of instruments together? Um, this is Emily, and when we were first getting started, we had no idea that we were starting a chamber music group we'd still be doing it in seven years, because it uh, started out in the summertime, we thought we were friends, and we thought, well, let's just explore horn and harp music that we can find. So we went to the music library at our school and found, we had we had both finished school at this point, but we accessed the library and we checked out all the words in the library for horn and harp. So as you can imagine, that was a stack about, including the thick library bindings, about three inches high. And so we got to it in an afternoon and it was a lot of fun. And we thought some of this music is, is actually interesting and it'd be really fun to work it up for a performance. So we had access to a church where I attend and work and planned to give a performance there in the fall. And so uh, we rehearsed and, one thing led to another where if you're going to give a concert, well, you should have a name. And if you're going to have a name, maybe we should make a website. And so <laughs> that's how Apple Word Fair was born. And then it was, well, if you give one concert, maybe we should give another concert. Mm-hmm. So it kept, it kept growing in that way. It was very organic and it was really fun to start something that was really genuinely just, hey, we're friends, let's get together and play some music together some afternoon. Well, it's sort of like the... Uh new music version of, hey, let's put together a band and play in the garage, has that same sort of feel, but in a slightly different context. Emily, I've got a question about the term horn. Yes. That means something. And I have other CDs of horn players. What is horn versus French horn or some other type of horn? Right, that's a great question. So... I always call the instrument that I play horn, and in English, we often call it the French horn, and I believe that came from when that instrument first came to England, it came via France. So to the English, it was the French horn. The English at the time, I don't think, did their homework to realize that it really came more like from Bohemia, and mm-hmm. so it really wasn't French at all. <laughs> and so it's only... In English-speaking countries where we, where anyone even says French horn, um, in other German and French, it's simply horn. So English speakers have started um, saying just simply horn as well, which I think is a, a better characterization of the instrument since it's not really the, the orchestral horn that we all play is not not truly French um, in derivation. And but it does be confusing when I'm around jazz players because if I say I play horn. Then, well, not just jazz players, but if I, you know, if I say I play horn, a lot of people say which horn, or do you play all the horns? And I also wanted to make sure what I pictured in my head was what it actually was. The, right. I'm look, I'm looking at the picture on the CD, and it's like it looks like a French horn. Uh, <laughs> it does. And smells just like a French horn. Basically. Okay, okay. Now we have that clarification. Don't have the same question about the harp, Colleen. Uh, that that uh, that I knew a little better. <laughs> Still a harp, yep. And going back to your research that you originally did to see what kind of repertoire was out there, what are examples of what you found? Was it really old Baroque stuff? Was it more current? Did it move up in time or did it stop someplace? <laughs> what exactly did you find? Yeah, that's actually a great question, at least in terms of 
timbre music written for the harp, uh, not even including timbre music that would be harp and horn. We really don't have much timbre music that predates the 19th century. We have a couple little things. Obviously, the Mozart flute and harp concerto is a fantastic example of something not quite in the 17th century that involved the harp. Mm-hmm. But really, the harp didn't have a lot of chromatic capabilities until later in the 1700s uh, with the single action pedal harp, which is just kind of a slightly smaller, uh, slightly more limited version of what we're playing now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of the repertoire we found that was older for horn and harp was from the first couple of decades of the 1800s. Uh, and a lot of it was very flexible instrumentation. I think there was one we played by, uh, I forget the first name, some guy named Damar. And it was constructed as either piano or harp with horn or violin or dot, dot, dot. So there was very fluid instrumentation um, I think so that these things could be performed with salon music originally. And based Uh, on who they might have available to them at the time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's, you know, who doesn't want the music to be played by whoever was willing to play it. And of course today, uh, it's a big difference if you're playing a violin versus a horn in terms of the type of music that uh, is easier or harder to execute or more athletic. Uh, So... We kind of care about that distinction now, but perhaps they didn't so much then. <laughs> so, between transcriptions of older pieces, and I'm thinking you are on the cutting edge of commissions for this type of instrumentation, which really doesn't, like you said, doesn't have a lot of history. That must give you that impetus to keep going, too, because there's no one else doing this. And it has such an interesting sound, you know, the sonorities of those two diverse types of instruments and how nicely they, you know, work together. Do you see that as being able to play music from uh, emerging composers and stuff like that? Yeah, exactly. It's been really fun to explore transcription, to explore things, for instance, that are supported the piano, because that translates so nicely to a single-line melody instrument and a harmonic instrument. Um, the really neat thing to me, Emily, um, about collaborating with composers is then, um, through the transcriptions, when we've worked on the transcriptions, it's helped me become more familiar with the horn, because I'm not playing music that was written the horn, and vetted by other horn players before it's been published and, you know, I bought it and played it, a, a, you know, about the repertoire I've learned in school, for instance. Right. Um, so it's been really nice doing our transcriptions and then working with composers because it has helped me become really more familiar with my own instrument and my own playing to be able to explain, you know, why something doesn't work or, or even be presented with something and, hey, this really works that I never would have thought. Um, so that is what is really one of the very interesting parts of collaborating with composers and being part of new music for an unusual instrumentation. Having seen you guys perform at last year's Connecticut Summerfest, mm-hmm. um, I take it you guys have, due to the nature of some of the pieces that have been composed for you, uh, are getting into extended technique as far as sounds and and ways of using your instrument that you might not have considered before. Yeah, actually, um, so extended techniques are tricky in that 
especially with newer composers who haven't composed for our instruments before, mm-hmm. present them with a lot of standard extended techniques and then almost a lexicon of what different composers who have done them really well have done in the 20th and 21st centuries. We can almost end the piece with too many of them where you want them to be used meaningfully, either for the gesture or the sound or the color, like where without that extended technique, the piece would actually lose something. Mm-hmm. Only what we prefer, um, rather than just having a hodgepodge of a lot of them. Although that's happens sometimes, too. But um, it's, it's really fun to, especially when a composer has maybe grown up with a piano and tested out a lot of their compositions on a keyboard, at least as the harp techniques go, they might have something that's really noty and they want it to be growly and very motivic in the bass register, which doesn't fit with the harp at all because we have very resonant wire strings down there. They, they're great for making noise and for sympathetic resonance, but you don't want a lot of musical material uh, to keep the dependence on happening down there. That's mm-hmm. really... I'll just demonstrate a couple of studies techniques with the wire strings that are so much easier to do than learning a lot of crazy notes. And composers are like, wow, that's really neat. I want that instead. So usually there's some kind of a gesture or an effect that a composer might be thinking of, and an extended technique can capture that really well, and they might not be aware that it exists until we experiment and go right. through that. Collaborating together. Like, wow, this is really neat what you've written, but what if we did this, or we did this, or did this? And that makes, I think the extended techniques, when they're used well, make the difference between something that could be transcribed and played really well on another instrument or something that really can only be played by our, our instruments where it becomes something special and idiomatic. Right. And that's been really satisfying to see with almost all of the pieces that we either commissioned or transcribed, um, especially when we've worked face-to-face with composers. Uh, it's been a really great educational process for us, too, to have to think of what would be idiomatic for our instruments and also sound cool. Have you been required to sing or vocalize along with it? Oh, yeah, yeah. We've done a little bit of singing and vocalizing. I'll let Emily um, talk about what she's had to do with the horn a little bit. But uh, I've had to Hebrew chant while also playing or smacking the harp. <laughs> and I get to sing a little bit this year in a new piece, too, uh, at the very end of one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess the nature of the harp is that the harpist can be asked to sing while also playing um, and sort of do separate things at once. And the nature of a horn is that we can sing into the horn while we are playing a different note. Mm-hmm. So we have um, we call this multiphonic, and it is used as a new extended technique. What's interesting is that it's actually first seen in standard horn repertoire by Carl Maria von Weber in this concertino that he wrote from the uh, very early 19th century. So it's it's um, not something that is new per se, but it's something that was very Rarely not until 20th century extended techniques um, instruments, uh, extended techniques for the horn were explored more. So um, I, I have, um, I do it a lot in a piece that, that was written for us that was meant to mimic, that particular extended technique is meant to mimic like tube and throat singing, and it has a really wonderful polyphonic sound. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, Anything of that sort coming up in the pieces you'll be uh, performing at Connecticut Summerfest? Uh, do we have any multiphonic? Don't well, think we do this go around. Um, let's see. I think I know that there will be a nice assortment of mutes for the horn. Um, mm-hmm. 
and some youths that are really rarely ever seen on stage with the horn, so that'll be fun. See, I know that there's at least one new piece that one of the composers wrote to us this year, which will be playing on the new pieces concert at the end of Summer Fest. Oh, wait, no. I, sorry, I'm thinking of the piece. Sorry, I, I'm confused. I'm thinking of a piece that a, a young composer wrote for us earlier this year that we're playing on our first concert. And uh, I get to do a little bit of pitch bending, uh, as well as what we call xylophone effect, where I damp uh, the string with one hand very close to the soundboard mm-hmm. and the other hand in the middle of the strings. And it produces a really nice, slightly percussively muted sound that sounds like a xylophone, which is why we call it a xylophone sound. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I get a little bit of things like that. Actually, I think Emily gets to move a little bit yeah. in a creative way. Yeah. <laughs> it's all meant to illustrate a program. Um, the piece we're playing by a composer named John Witten is uh, based on The Little Prince, the classic French story. Right. There's all these images of The Little Prince on different asteroids and uh, during his travels through space. So this is... Your second year at Connecticut Summerfest, considering yeah. you were at the inaugural there. I don't know how the mechanics work, but as far as Aaron and Gala go, but did they ask you back, or did you have to reapply, or how did that go? Um, well, we're really grateful they asked us to be there last year and this year, and we're, um, you know, it's just, I have to say that I'm really looking forward to doing it again this year, because last year was a terrific experience. Aaron and Gala have um, our top-notch organizers and administrators, as well as musicians, uh, to be able to put together um, last year for the first year of doing, uh, getting a festival off the ground from scratch. It was, um, it couldn't have been better, I don't think. So I, I can't say, I can't say enough good things about what they've done to start Summerfest. And so to be able to be a part of it again this year is really exciting for us. We're, we're very much looking forward to it. I'm excited because, I mean, the Hartford area, though it is coming back for the longest time, sort of lost its new music path, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And it used to be quite, back in the 70s and late 60s, used to be quite the hotbed with visits Mm -hmm. to real art ways from folks like Steve Reich and Philip Glass and Tom Johnson and lot of experimental players and then it sort of vanished and now all of a sudden it's coming back between this there's the uh, women composers festival i'm very pleased as an audience member and somebody who loves listening to brand new music and seeing where things are going and how they tie in with where things have come from that there are these types of opportunities for ensembles such as Apple Orange Pear to be able to get out there and get the word out, so to speak. You know, I'm thrilled to do it in Hartford. I live in New Haven, so I'm thrilled to be able to, in my own state, be a participant in something like this, to, like you said, get new music out there and to be able to collaborate with composers in such a like a concentrated, meaningful way at a festival like that. And I, one of the other things I really like commend Aaron and Gallup for is I think they and do a great job with advertising and with collaborating with other organizations in the community to be able to spread the word. Because I think there's the people that look for new music, and then there's people that don't even know, you know, what is new, what is new music? You know, it's certainly not on everyone's radar. So I think to be able to, to get it out there, I think they do a really excellent job in the community to get it out there. So it's, it's 
I was so pleased to see how well attended the concerts were last year, and I look forward to you know meeting audience members this year. I caught the last one. I got on board at the very end. Aaron got in touch with me because um, when he was a student at UConn, he had a radio show at WHUS, and I was I was his neighbor, and um, and so we used to sit and chat, and then as um, last year's was approaching, he asked if I'd be interested in, you know, chatting with him and Gala about it, and I said, sure. And then I sort of stuck my foot in the door and and told them, I said, look, you know, for this year, why don't you let me, you know, interview the you know, the different ensembles and the... Um, composition faculty it will turn them into podcasts we'll you know we'll we'll make it available to even more people so i'm i'm very happy to be involved with this in, in my own little way <laughs> so no, we, we love what you're doing i know that we've separately had a chance to listen to at least a handful of the other interviews you've done for Summerfest, and i mean it's making us as participants even more excited to meet these other duos and composition faculty and it's yeah it's a really nice group of people that Aaron and Gala have brought together yeah I, I I'm finding that myself in each of these conversations everybody's so animated and excited about what they're doing both on the ensemble side and from the educator side they're very enthusiastic and getting new music out there and sharing it with new audiences is of prime importance so everybody has their own way of going at it and what they want to share so i i am very thrilled this this year i have on my calendar to go to all the concerts so uh excellent you'll get tired of seeing me so (laughs) yeah i don't think that's (laughs) good So, again, let me tell the folks, Connecticut Summerfest will be taking place from June 15th to 21st. There will be a series of free concerts, which are also being simulcast, which is incredibly cool. If you want to go in person, you can go to the Berkman Recital Hall at 8 p.m. on from June 16th to June 20th with uh, Apple Orange Pear being the opening concert on Friday, June 16th. And there's a live stream link if you go to ConnecticutSummerFest.org and you can check it out if you can't be there in person. But I, I would recommend being there in person because the Berkman Recital Hall was gorgeous and the, the acoustics are beautiful in there. So that new chamber music, like what we're doing. And I like the intimacy of the space as well that there aren't a million seats, but, you know, what, about 100 seats, I would guess, maybe a little less. Yeah, yeah. And then following that, Saturday on June 17th, the Meraki Chamber Players, Sunday, June 18th, the Zolana Duo, and everybody on board for evening of premieres on Tuesday, June 20th. Ladies, thank you for spending time with us. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. And uh, look forward to uh, seeing you in person. Indeed. Looking yeah. forward to it. All right. Take care, and I'll see you soon. Thank All you. Right. Thank you very much. All right. Bye-bye.